0: You are listening to Positively Prepped, a podcast for teachers. I'm your host, Rebecca Rodriguez. I love being a teacher, but now I work from home. I'm here to talk about how you can systematically effectively and positively prep your teacher life so you too can feel balanced, happy and in control of your life at school and at home. We're getting ready for graduation in our district even though we have to do it virtually. But one thing I do love is that we are still giving all of the graduation regalia. That means that I got the opportunity this week to deliver all of the stoles I made for my avid seniors to their car windows. I loved it. I've had these kids for three years now. So we've really had time to make some strong relationships. I brought a stole to each of their car windows and I had a real face-to-face conversation with them at a six-foot distance, of course. Before they left, I told each of them to be safe, that I miss them, and that I love them. Every single one of my students promised to come back and visit me after this is over. I didn't even have to demand that. And they told me that they love and miss me too. I have a real and lasting bond with this group of students. I care about them, and I feel like they genuinely care about me too. This has created such an amazing environment to learn and grow in. We hear that all the time, right? Kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Join me today as we discuss a very real and doable way to create a true and lasting relationship with your students. In all of my education courses, in many of my meetings with administration, with other staff members, I hear the phrase that teacher relationships with their students is one of the most important things that educators can do. And I totally agree with that. In order for us to really achieve our goals, in order for students to learn the most, they need to have quality relationships with their teachers and with the other staff on campus. I would also argue that this really applies to a lot of areas in everyday life. In order for us to achieve the most as a family, we need to build our relationship with our spouse and our children. In order for us to really achieve our goals in a workplace, we need to build our relationship with our coworkers and our bosses. It's really important to build those relationships on something solid and real. If we don't, then we won't experience that success that we could otherwise. In education, we always start out by talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is a motivational theory in psychology. In this theory, there are five tiers of human needs in life. So it's often depicted as a pyramid because the concept is that you have to meet the first tier before you can really move on to the second tier, and so on and so forth. So the one need must be met before one can climb to the next level of needs to worry about, and then move forward. The bottom tier, therefore, is the most important and the most basic. So that tier has to be met before anyone can move forward and on to their next level of needs. The first tier is food, water, and shelter, and sleep, and it's your physiological needs. The next tier is our safety or our emotional and intellectual needs for to feel safe and secure. After that, we have love and belonging. So the third tier is in relationship to friendship, belonging to a group, in this case, our classroom. The fourth tier is esteem, respect, self-esteem, achievement, and status are all part of that fourth tier. And then the final and the fifth tier of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is self-actualization, meaning that one would achieve their highest potential. This cements the belief that in order for us to really teach students in a real and comprehensive way, the student needs to have their needs met to a point where they can actually enter the fourth tier where achievement and self-esteem are flourishing. This means that the student needs to have their physical needs met, they need to feel safe and they need to feel love and belonging before they can learn anything. Once those basic needs are solidified, true learning and growth in our specific areas of teaching can actually happen. This is where the phrase Maslow's before Bloom's comes into play. Bloom's taxonomy ranks by difficulty the levels of learning that we can achieve with our students. But if they don't feel safe, if they're hungry, if they don't feel like they belong, and if they don't have any feeling that they can learn and achieve they haven't had that self-esteem that they can learn and achieve then they can't really learn anything no learning can happen and at least not learning to its fullest extent i don't think that a student and a teacher need to have a complete love and friendship to work together and i don't think that they have to really get along great like meaning that they would be best friends in order to learn from each other. But I do think that mutual respect and understanding are necessary for true learning to occur. Okay, so it is really easy to say and to know that true relationships are necessary to learning in the classroom and to work in the workplace and to a well-functioning, happy household. But how do we get there? Do we just pretend to like that student until we do? I mean, fake it till you make it, right? No. Do we let them do whatever they want and they run the classroom and we just kind of hope that eventually they like us for it? No. Do we need to learn their lingo and sound cool and do all the TikTok dances with them? No, not necessarily. Those are not the ways to really create a real relationship. One really important thing to note is that no one likes a faker. If a person feels like you're forcing or faking your relationship with them, they're not going to like it. I do not like every one of my students. I wouldn't want to hang out with them on the weekend or let them date my daughter. Yet, we have a great classroom relationship. I also have worked with people that I don't like, but I got a lot accomplished with them. I use a formula in my life that has really helped me in all of my relationships, and I'm going to share that with you today. But Before we go into that, let's do our unpaid sponsorship. Today for our unpaid sponsorship, I'd like to give a shout out to New Balance. We are a New Balance family, but I didn't always wear New Balance. I have really narrow feet, so finding shoes to work out in could sometimes be really tough. So when I found a pair that actually worked, I'd have to wear them out. Then I discovered the New Balance Energize. I love them. They have a memory sole, so they are so comfortable. Also, they're really easy to get in and out of. They breathe really well, and they are as light as a feather. I have been doing a lot of running during our shelter-in-place, which is not my favorite workout at all. But at least I can run in style. Thank you, New Balance, for great shoes that are comfortable, look great, and fit all kinds of feet. New Balance shoes are Awesome. Okay, now back to our regularly scheduled program. All right, so on to my super secret plan on how to get students to love me. (laughs) Just kidding. The plan that I use in my life to make sure that I'm actually working on and building great and lasting relationships is no secret. It's found in Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Four Agreements. I read this book a long time ago, and when I first started reading the book, I immediately agreed with the philosophy. I loved how logical and wonderful it made the way that we can live in a simple way. And then I tried to live by the agreements. So I just decided this is what I'm going to do. And it's not always easy, but I do love how it's simple. Simple meaning that it's not a huge amount of things we have to remember and do, and and there's no reward or punishment It's all based on our true selves. So remember in episode four, I actually talked about not having rules in my classroom, and I live by principles in my classroom instead. So this just molds right into that philosophy that I have in my classroom with behavior and, and discipline. And these agreements have solidified the life skills that I talk about in my classroom, and they really help me to practice what I preach in this amazingly real way. So first of all, let's talk about the agreements. Notice I didn't call them laws or rules because they kind of are opposed to laws and rules because it's more based on an agreement that we've made within ourselves. In his book, Ruiz states that everything we do is based off of an agreement that we have made. Agreements are made with ourselves and others, but the most important agreements that we have are the ones that we make with ourselves. Right now, we all have beliefs about who we are, and about the world around us that can either empower us or they can limit us and limit our potential. He offers four agreements that can really help us to live our lives in a way that builds our relationships and ultimately it helps us to feel happy and loved. Normal rules and laws are imposed on us. If you think, that, think about it, as kids, we're told what we can and cannot do, and if we do those things that we're supposed to, we get rewards. If we do those things we're not supposed to, we get punished. So, we learn as we're growing up to be inauthentic because we are trying to fit into those norms and laws and rules. And sometimes we misinterpret them even as kids because we believe in bad and good as kids. And so, if I do this thing, I'm bad instead of realizing that it's maybe a safety issue or something else. And so, They grow in us and we come up with these agreements that we live by. And a lot of times those agreements make us feel unsafe or unsure because those agreements are falsehoods. They are making us an inauthentic self. Also, they help us or make us feel like we don't belong. We're trying to fit in, which means that we're molding into some shape that isn't our real self in order to fit in with something instead of really belonging there. And these false agreements that we make as we get older and as we're learning the world around us help us to believe that we are not our true selves and that inauthenticity really makes us feel negative. It makes us feel bad because we don't believe that the true self of who we are can be loved, should be loved, or will be loved. This goes directly against Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs because we can never reach that self-actualization if we're not being our true self. The four agreements help us to break out of this problem. And they reach, help us to reach a new level within ourselves and therefore within our relationships with other people. So let's talk about the four agreements themselves. Agreement number one, he says, is to be impeccable with your word. Ruiz states that this is the most important agreement. He also states that it is the most difficult to live up to or to uphold. He breaks down the word impeccable in this portion of the book to mean without. Im means without, and peck is sin in Greek. So he was saying that this word actually means without sin. And he describes sin to be anything that goes against oneself. So it's not actually a religious thing in this instance. He's, he's talking about sinning being something that you would do that would make you feel like you are going against what you believe in. And therefore, being impeccable with language means to take responsibility for your own actions and to remain without judgment against yourself and against others. That's where sometimes being impeccable with your word can be difficult because you have to be sure that you are being very careful with what you're saying and that you don't judge your own thoughts and words And you don't judge other people's thoughts and words because you are speaking the truth and you take their truth for what they say. In essence, this agreement focuses on the significance of speaking with integrity, making sure that you're saying things that are true to you and how you really feel. It means that you're being careful in choosing the words before you let them come out of your mouth. As a teacher, this would be not making threats or saying things that you don't mean in the classroom. This would be talking to your students about things that are important to them and not related to your subject matter. If they wanna talk about their birthday for 10 minutes, maybe you let them talk about their birthday for a little bit and you really engage in that conversation If it's not the time, be impeccable with your word and let them know that it isn't personal against them that maybe a better time to talk about that would be in 20 minutes after we finish the lesson. But being impeccable with your word means that you say what you mean and you mean what you say and that you take them for their word as well. So that means that you want to talk about real things and not just your subject matter because that's what matters to you. Also, as a teacher, we can be willing to be the real you. I'm a nerd. I know it. I've stopped trying to sound cool to my kids because they don't think I'm cool. And I really have just embraced that I make stupid, silly jokes. And they know that's the real me and they can trust that. And so I have found that my students kind of just love me for who I am. And that feels so much better than trying to fit in to what I think they want me to say or how I think they want me to behave. Also, it lets them know that they're allowed to be the real them. So that means that I'm going to be impeccable with my word and they get to be impeccable with theirs. And I get to be integritous with what I'm saying and they do too. By shining my light, I'm letting them shine theirs. This does need to stay appropriate with your students, meaning we don't talk about things that would be inappropriate. We do have to draw that boundary but a real relationship is based on real people. So we do wanna talk about things that are not just our subject matter. This really focuses on this agreement number one, be impeccable with your word, really focuses on the second tier of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It creates a safe place to speak and communicate. So we're creating that safety zone where they get to be their real self. They know they can rely on you. They know that you're being your real self and there's no deception there so that allows our students to feel safe and secure. Our own families would feel this as well if we were being impeccable with our word at home, and so on and so forth. It is also a show of respect. And therefore, it would take us to the third level, and even the fourth levels of those needs, because we are creating an environment of respect, self esteem, and really accepting ourselves and others for who they are. So this one can With being impeccable with our word, it can take us right up that uh, hierarchy. We can walk right up that pyramid. Agreement number two, don't take anything personally. This agreement helps us to understand that each individual has a unique worldview that alters their own perceptions and that the actions and beliefs of someone else is just a projection of their own reality. That one was a little bit hard for me to understand at first because I tended to feel like I understood where people were coming from. And I I am an empathetic person and I do try to understand where people are coming from, but sometimes I let that take me to a place where I felt like things were about me that weren't about me. And this one really Revolutionized the way that I live my life because I've since come to realize that sometimes when people treat me poorly, yeah, it feels really personal because they're doing it to me. So I felt like that was a personal attack. If someone was yelling at me, it felt very personal. But through living this agreement, you realize that this gives us a way to understand and deal with hurtful or annoying situations by realizing that other people are not doing things to help us or to hurt us. What they're doing has nothing to do with us and everything to do with that person and their perception. So no, we don't want to go yelling at people because it's only about myself anyway. It's not really about them. We want to treat people kindly and and we want to promote that. But this is so helpful when you stop thinking that they're doing it just to hurt you or just to help you. It is eye-opening that you can just let go of that hurt and that anger and that jealousy and even sadness because it just it stops being personal and you can let it go and actually just kind of put it right back on that person. And it, it stops affecting you so much when you stop thinking that it should. This agreement advocates the importance of having a strong sense of self and not needing to rely on the opinions of others in order to be content and satisfied with who we are. That is huge to me. I think it's very important that we teach that to our students as well, that if you are okay with you, what someone else thinks of you isn't personal. It it doesn't matter, because what really matters is what you think of yourself. So with our students, this one can sometimes be tough. As a teacher, when our students misbehave, sometimes we think that it's personal that they're attacking you. I even had a student once call me the B word in the classroom right to my face. Oh, that felt so personal. I was hurt. And it was a tough day. I went home and I felt really bad. And as I really started working through it, I realized that I had asked him to do something he didn't want to do. And he really was acting out because he felt frustrated, he felt restricted, and he was facing some things I didn't understand. And all of those things had nothing to do with me. He lashed out at me and he apologized. But realizing that it wasn't personal and really just deciding instead to focus on how I could help him and letting go of that feeling of hurt because of one word— allowed me to build my relationship with that student. There's usually something going on with our students. And remember, we're the adult. So they're the kid. We're the adult. We're the professional. We are the leader. So let's lead them down a road to understanding and stop being personal when we can decide not to. Remember, we get to choose what we focus on. So if we focus on this personal thing hurt me, you're choosing to let it hurt you. When the parents go crazy at you for something involving their child, that's another tough one. When they start talking about how you don't know what you're doing, or you attack their kid, or you get, you don't like their kid, that's why you gave them this grade, all of those things are meant to throw you off, and it feels very personal. But one of the most amazing pieces of advice I got in a class about behavior was to remember that. For this parent, that is their personal life. It's their child. How much more personal can you get? But you are in a professional setting. This is your profession. So it's personal for them, but it's professional for you. Stay professional. Let them be personal. And as long as you stay professional and stick to your guns and just keep making sure that you're working towards understanding and communication, that's all you can do. You can choose to take it personal and be personally offended that they said things, or you can let it go because they don't really matter in the ultimate scheme of things. And whether or not that one parent knows you're a good teacher doesn't really change the fact that you are or you aren't. This one, agreement number two, don't take anything personally, really focuses on the fourth tier, But it does also apply to the third. So we're focusing on creating a bond and the other person having enough self esteem. So we're focusing on our bond, making sure we're focusing on the other person, and we're focusing on having enough self esteem and respect for ourselves to know that we're good no matter what the perception of that other person. So that kind of goes into our friendships, relationships, respect, self esteem. So that's the third and the fourth tier. Agreement number three. Is don't make assumptions. This one again can be kind of difficult because a lot of us feel like we know exactly what's going on. Now, this one is on the nose, meaning when we make assumptions, we are saying that we know why someone said or did what they did based on our knowledge. But when we assume, we're really hurting ourselves with the limited perceptions that we carry. We have our own worldview that's unique. And so when we make assumptions, we're using only our knowledge to perceive what's going on around us. And that only hurts ourselves. So the way to overcome this obstacle is to ask a lot of questions. Really listen when we are talked to and not make assumptions about what we know or what we think we know about someone else and what they mean or why they're behaving the way that they are. Communication needs to be very clear for this to work, so that actually takes us back to being impeccable with our word, that we continue to ask questions and we make sure that we get to a very clear understanding between both parties, and that takes an environment built on vulnerability and trust. We need to be vulnerable to show them that it's okay, and then they can be vulnerable too. There needs to be trust in order to be vulnerable and really answer those questions and and really be impeccable with our word so that they know they're allowed to say what they really mean and they're safe to do so. Individuals can avoid misunderstanding, sadness, drama, a lot of negative situations just by not making assumptions, by really communicating and talking about it. That's the way to make sure that this one doesn't happen. In our classrooms, we want to make sure that we're not assuming that your life and understanding is the norm. Sometimes as teachers, we feel like, okay, this is how a family functions. And maybe theirs doesn't function that way at all. Or, oh, if if grandparents have custody, that must mean parents are out of the picture or are bad people or have that have moved away and are completely uninvolved in the kid's life. Those things may or may not be true, but making assumptions about those things can really hurt your relationship with those students. When you assume that what you know about life is the norm, you may be alienating a lot of kids in your classroom. Also, don't assume that your way of thinking is the only way to think. Just because it's how you logic and rationalize through things doesn't mean that that's how someone else would as well. We we all do those tests to see what kind of personality we have, and we know that we're red or green. We've also done the ones where we find out, oh, I'm an introvert or an extrovert. Those things matter, and everybody's way of processing is valid. So we have to work with those different types of people and not assume that everyone's going to work the same way that we do. Be open and receptive to the communication that you receive from your students. Don't assume that you understand. Ask questions. And it's okay to ask questions. Also, when your students are asking you questions, don't assume that they're doing it for negative reasons. I have some students who will ask me question after question after question, and then, ting, they get it, and they'll they'll be done. But it's really important that they are allowed to ask us questions without us getting frustrated or angry or even just dismissive because if they don't see that we're willing to answer questions, why would they want to? And remember, answering questions is how we make sure that we're not making assumptions. Make sure that we do not assume as teachers that we know why someone is doing or not doing or saying or not saying something. Ask questions and get information. I know that Right now, my department, my PLC, we've been talking a lot about how our students are not engaging, that we send out emails and we're not getting responses, that a lot of kids aren't doing the work. We may or may not know why they're doing that. Our group has really focused on just trying to keep the communication open and to not assume why or why not the things are being received by the students and acted upon. And I think that that's really important because the reason that they're not doing the work is only important within our relationship building. Them not doing the work, it has its own consequence. They won't get the grade for it, or they will not get that knowledge because they're not doing the work. So that's already taken care of. The reason why is what we can actually get communication with them on And maybe it's something we can do to help. Maybe we can really build a strong relationship because we're willing to communicate that with them instead of making the assumption that they just don't care or that they don't have Wi-Fi. We have no idea. But what we could do is communicate at the best to our abilities because right now we can't really see all of our students, but we could really do our best to let them know that we care and not make that assumption. I feel that this one really touches on every single level. We don't know our students' physiological needs and if they're being met. So right from the start, we just need to ask questions and really get to know them. They need to see us as a safe place. So that would be the second level. And if we make assumptions they don't trust, and that leads to true friendships and relationships. If they can't trust us, then they can't move on to that third tier. We need to communicate and be real so that we know so much that they can respect us and vice versa. And then we can all reach out reach our truer selves because we can be authentic. So this one goes all the way up that pyramid. Agreement number four, always do your best. This agreement is about doing your best to apply the other three agreements into your life. This also means that you need to really be self-aware of your potential, your limits, your goals in order to work daily to achieve those things. One way to make agreement number four happen in doing your best is do not self-judge. Be real and be kind to yourself. If you have a hard time with that, you can look at episode two or listen to episode two, combating imposter syndrome for more on how we can really work on not being a self-judge and to ha- how to kind of overcome that. If students can see you doing your best to understand and communicate with them, then they will learn this behavior by watching you. You may not be lucky enough to see that difference before they leave your room, but never doubt or underestimate your impact. Remember that student that I said called me the B word? Well, it was not until at least 10 years later that I heard from that boy again. And he'd had some very rough times. He had joined a gang. He had gone to jail. He had gotten out of jail. He would had, had a very hard time finding a job because he'd been in jail. And he found me on Facebook, and he reached out and messaged me and said, "Are you Senor Rodriguez from my junior high?" And blah blah blah. It's me, Angelo. And I, and my first reaction was, oh, "It's that kid." And then I. I thought about it and I responded and I said, yes, it's, it's me. I am that teacher. And he wrote me a very long message where he explained that I had made such a huge impact on him by never giving up and by not just writing him off. And he even brought up that day and said, I've never felt so bad because I knew that I had just insulted someone who believed in me. And he said that all of those skills that I had taught him, he was able to use to really reinvent himself and to come out a better person than he had gone into jail. And I remember thinking like how lucky I was to finally hear the outcome of his story, that I had this student that had had such a hard time and he was reaching out to me in a hard time in his life to let me know that I'd made an impact and that he believed He could still be his truest self and that he could still reach that fifth tier because I had never stopped believing in him. And he said, and he knew that I hadn't stopped believing in him because I responded to his message. And I realized I hadn't stopped believing in him because I knew that he had communicated with me and apologized and we all make mistakes and can change. When you fail and continue on and just keep trying – your students are gonna see that too. So if you are working on being your best, you're trying to live your agreements and you're trying and you fail and you let your students see you in that failure and see you accept that failure and stand back up and believe in yourself even after that hard time, they will see that and they learn from that. This also touches on every level of the hierarchy of needs agreement number four, always do your best, but it naturally focuses on the top level where everyone gets to be their best self. They get to reach that point where they feel confident and happy with who they are, where we can know ourselves in a real, true and happy way. Using agreements and principles in my classroom has helped my students to feel safe, that they belong and that they are respected. And it has completely changed my classroom environment. The more that I live up to my agreements, the more my students do as well. They want to be authentic to who they really are and they're dying to have an adult show them how to do it, even for one hour of the day. I know that this works. My students have told me over and over again that the environment and life skill lessons that they learn and use in my classroom have helped them throughout the rest of their lives. Yes, I want my students to learn and love Spanish, But remember, they can't do blooms until we have Maslow's down. Remember the four agreements. Number one, be impeccable with your word. Number two, don't take anything personally. Number three, don't make assumptions. Number four, always do your best. When you do your very best to live these agreements and teach them to your students and really work to be authentic and real with those around you, you will see your relationships thrive. My goal with Positively Prepped is to help teachers feel balanced, happy, and in control. One great way to do that is to build true and lasting relationships with your students. When you accept and apply the four agreements in your life, you can feel happy, balanced, and in control in all the areas of your life. Thank you for listening to Positively Prepped, a podcast for teachers. Please subscribe and share. It is important to continually focus on balance and improve our practices. That's why I created Positively Prepped, to help teachers to improve themselves, their classrooms, and their lives, so that they can create an amazing classroom, leave their work there, and then go home and live a full life, guilt-free. Join me next week as we continue our journey to become Positively Prepped. Remember, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Rebecca.Rodriquez. That's Rodriguez with a Q and not a G please feel free to shoot me a message and ask questions. Thanks again for listening. See you here next week.